Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck me's? What the fuckadelics? What the fuckistanis? No offense. That's, uh, that's all I'm going to do today. I'm, I'm actually thinking about retiring that whole intro. I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. I'm sorry, Boston. I'm sorry, Chicopee, Massachusetts. I'm sorry. It was out of my control what happened out there. I'll be in Chicopee at the Hookie Lao at, uh, again, no offense meant by my attempt at pronouncing it properly. Um, I will be at the Hookie Lao on March 29th and at, at Boston at the Wilbur at uh, March 30th. <laughs> that was, yeah. All right, so that's basically the reschedule. It's a postponement. The uh, March 30th Wilbur shows will be a live WTF and a stand-up show. Uh, some other dates coming up. I should get out, out right now. We've got uh, Cincinnati, Ohio at Bogarts on Thursday, this Thursday, February 14th. We've got the Columbus, uh, Ohio Capitol Theater on February 15th. I'll be up in Vancouver doing a live WTF on, on February 16th. I'll be in uh, Vancouver doing a live stand-up show on February 17th. I'll be at the Aladdin Theater in Portland, Oregon, February 28th. I'll be at the Neptune Theater in Seattle, March 1st. I'll be at the McDonald Theater in Eugene, March 2nd, at the Music Fest Cafe in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, April 19th, and at the uh, Paps Theater in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, May 4th. Where's that San Francisco date? There it is. Palace of Fine Arts, April 13th. That should do it for that. Did I mention Tom Green is on the show? Tom Green, who I had, had a personal aversion to, to be quite honest with you. Pow! Look out! Just shit my pants. That's just coffee.coop available at WTFpod.com. As as you know, this is a good way to su- support the show. It is a good way to uh to do something that a lot of us forget to do and end up kind of on the way home, you get that bodega bouquet and try to pull that off. Don't fucking I yeah, I look, I've done that. All right. And it didn't end well. It cost me a lot of money at the end, probably because of those bodega flowers and the fact that I yelled. Other stuff, but look, we're we're beyond that. So Tom Green is on the show. I have some issues with uh, with pranking in general, but he happens to be a genius at it. Now there is there's something about you know very you know articulated and thought out pranks that there is nothing funnier than that. But I've been on both I, I've been on both sides of that, and sometimes it's hard for me to differentiate between doing a prank on somebody and just being a douchebag bully fuckface, and uh, and I. I I don't like to be on the, the short end of the stick on that one. I've gotten my feelings hurt by being set up for bullshit. Uh, everyone gets a big laugh, but that, that feeling of being the one that the prank is being played on, that horrible kind of punch in the chest feeling as you're surrounded by people who are laughing and laughing and you're just expected to suck it up and go, ah, you got me. I don't know. That's a tall order for me. I'm not saying I don't laugh when other people fall down or that when other people, uh, you know, get pranked, but I've been pushed into a couple of situations where I've been played. Uh, you know, I remember I was kind of conjoled by all my friends in high school to ask this cheerleader to homecoming. I should have known. They gave me this impression that it was a done deal and they had talked to her and it was going to happen. And I walked up to her and she goes, no way. And then I was just, uh, you know, completely, uh, 
crestfallen uh, to the soundtrack of my five friends, you know, trying to hold their laughter in with their hands. There's been other situations. I mean, fuck, I worked with Sam Cedar for a year, one-on-one, and that guy lives for it. Some people love to do very, even long-form pranks that can take, you know, months to, to unfold. Uh, and he used to do that shit to, with me all the time to the point where you can't trust a person because you don't know whether or not they're fucking with you. Now, arguably, I have that issue without the fear of pranking with people that I should theoretically trust. But, you know, I, to me, life is one big prank and I'm going to get fucked at the end of it anyways. Aren't we all? That's <laughs> There you go. There's the existential reality of this situation. The, the big prank is you don't quite know how you're going to go. Uh, you can just hope it's not that funny. But Tom, I had a little issue with because I've appeared on television with him. I was on Comics Unleashed, Byron Allen's horrible show with Tom Green. When I saw he was going to be on, literally, I had this moment where, well, well, there goes this fucking appearance. Not that it mattered, but Tom Green is not generous with the stage, you know, especially the younger version of Tom Green. It's just he's going to get out there, not unlike anybody who does balls to the wall who the fuck knows what's going to happen type of comedy. Uh, it's just going to step all over everybody. And, and sure enough, he did. And uh, I resented him for it. And I carried that for a while. And then finally, I had him on because I do. I think he really is kind of an unsung genius of the prank. But I just, I guess I don't know how to prank. You know, look, I'm not beyond being a bully. Uh, I've, I've unleashed on people on stage. Uh, I've said uh, hurtful things, um, you know, for a laugh. But uh, generally, my pranks are not uh, planned. They're usually uh, surprise pranks if we're going by the <laughs> hurtful things to get a laugh. When I do something horrible or bullying or, or at the expense of somebody else, I'm usually uh, equally as surprised as they are. And uh, nine times out of ten, someone is crying. And eight times out of ten, it's the woman I'm living with. So not funny. That's not funny. And uh, we're getting better at that. Okay? But Tom, I was happy to talk to Tom because... As I said, I believe that he is an inspired uh, performer and comedic mind. And I was a little concerned that once he came over here, I would have to, you know, just wait until he sort of simmered down and turned down the volume of whatever his Tom Greenism is. And I think you'll find that that we did. We had a, a great conversation, and, and I'm looking forward to you guys hearing that. All right, let's talk to Tom Green. not doing it up there anymore didn't it wasn't there a deck and it was a big old house and yeah i'm still in the house but i stopped doing the web show a couple years ago and i started touring a bit and uh, a lot but you touring, so you were like uh on the cutting edge man you were you know you were the guy you were the the uh the the outsider of new media yeah well uh i just i'm just taking a break i'm, I'm starting starting it up again the new year just i'm not going to do it in my living room anymore why uh i don't know i was just because uh it was. I was doing. It was all these cameras and stuff. Yeah. It was. Uh, it was. It was a lot of a uh, lot of cables. Uh, a lot of <laughs> lot of cameras. A lot of computers. Computers breaking down all the time. A lot of guys going like, "I got it. I yeah. got, I'm on it." It yeah. never worked. It wasn't. It wasn't a very uh, simple technical setup. Um, and in 2000, and when I start the thing, I don't know, 2007 or something like that. Uh, you know, the web streaming technology was pretty new. Yeah. So it didn't really work that well. Right. And, and then. And then. Then it started started to work better, but I'd always have to buy all this new equipment stuff. I just kind of uh, wanted to take a break from it. But you always had like uh, there was always just there's always been a Tom Green fan base that was uh, ready to fucking follow you anywhere into every any pit of hell yeah. that you decided to travel to. Yeah, no, it was cool. I mean, uh, I uh, 
We had a lot of people watching, and actually, really, what it is, I started touring and doing stand-up, and I just kind of am addicted to it now. As you know, it's uh, something that you just can't sort of stop doing. I've been, uh, yeah, for better or for worse. I mean, when yeah. it's when it's all you do, yeah, there, it's, there's, yeah, <laughs> it's like I can't stop doing this because I don't know what else I'm gonna do. Yeah, exactly. But you sort of came back around to it. Yeah, I mean, uh, were you ever a legitimate stand-up? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I started doing it when I was quite young. Like how old? Uh, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, like way back. When you were in high school? Yeah, yeah. In and Canada? I, yeah, and at Ottawa's uh, Yuck Yucks. Yeah, I and, know, for Mark Breslin. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And uh, I love so, doing it. And but I, were you like one of these, like, that kid's here again? The, the wonder kind? Because, uh, like, when, as a stand-up, when kids would come in who had it, you know, who started doing it, everyone's sort of impressed the fact that they, they he's they, a kid. They called me Little Tommy Green from down the street. At the club. Started out, I'd go down to watch Harland Williams and Norm MacDonald yeah. and Jeremy Hotz when they'd come through town. I, yeah, I do. I'm, he's one of, I do very few impressions, but Harlan Williams, you can do his style, but just taking two or three uh, sort of disjointed references yeah. and then doing crowd work. Like, hey there, Mr. Beard, how's the spaceship doing with yeah. the jelly? Yeah, Harland is one of my best friends. and uh, Isn't and, that his style? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, he's at, at the time when I was a kid, I'd never seen anybody be so non sequitur right, right. and ridiculous where are we getting you know? muffins yeah, yeah, yeah exactly it was just outrageous <laughs> stuff and and he was so silly and and i loved it and i sort of looked at that and i said well you know i kind of could could see myself i could do that to try to do that so well what were you doing when you were like 15 i mean what were the, what was your uh, structure yeah i was talking about like uh you know Saturday morning cartoons. Were you? And, no, I don't know, like weird TV commercials. Sure, uh, sure. Have you uh, guys seen this one? Yeah, you know, stupid stuff like that. I, I can't really remember a lot of my material. I had some jokes about like kids being, you know, when you see kids, uh, I'm trying to remember a joke from 20 years ago now. I can't really remember them or do them justice. All you got to do is drop the needle in the groove, Tom. The yeah. groove is still in there somewhere. That opener is still in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. It was it, it, I, there was no there was no point of reference though to to really entertain a group of drunken college students, you know, right. when you're 15, 16, right. 17 years old. So it was kind of right. it was kind of I, I I did well, but it was that cute kid on stage. What's he doing? That's cute. He's a kid. They were, they were willing to offer you a, a pass in a way. Yeah, they, they weren't going to like you know give him a break. He's yeah. fifteen. It kind of started to feel a bit like that. So I stopped for 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 some for some time. I went to school, took broadcasting, and uh, started the show and. Did that for a long what, time. What, the public access show? Yeah, I started a public access show. Well, now, when, so what, you grew up in Canada? Yeah. What part? Ottawa, Canada, yeah. And I, I have no point of reference for that as an American, really. I've been to Canada. What's, about what's an hour in, and a half from Montreal, which I'm sure you know Montreal. Sure, we, Montreal, Montreal, Vancouver, yep. Winnipeg, uh, Toronto. I've been to all those. Yeah, Ed, Ed, Edmonton I've been to. Yeah, Ottawa's the are, capital. It's right. right between uh, Toronto and Montreal, sort of. You know, it's about Normal childhood? You, you got sisters and brothers that you like? Uh... Jeez, do you mind if I smoke? No, or, go ahead. Yeah. There's an ashtray right there. Oh, you got one of those. It's electric. Yeah? Just got it. Yeah, you like it? Yeah, I uh, I do actually. And I don't even smoke real you cigarettes. never smoked real cigarettes? I've been, I found myself starting to smoke cigarettes. So you got one of them? And I, it's been worrying me. Yeah? Because I, I get stressed out yeah. a lot in my life. Yeah, I got a couple of those. Someone sent me a couple of these, port, these ones... Uh, they're disposable uh, electric cigarettes where you just smoke them out. You don't have to replace the cartridge. They go for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And then, is yeah. that what that is? This is a, re- this is a rechargeable oh, one. Oh, so you've got the, the whole packet. You I had a the- disposable one, but 
Then I picked this up. I got I've got menthol flavored uh, canisters as well. Does but, it, I <laughs> I used to smoke. I, I I eat nicotine lozenges. Oh yeah, and I have been for like ten years. Not really. Yeah. Okay. So the, the, I've tried those. Yeah. But it takes me back to like I I I've gotten past the mouth hand. Yeah. Thing. So yeah. I, yeah, I, I just assume not enter that back in. Yeah. You know, like I don't think about cigarettes anymore. It's amazingly, it's amazing how much it works. Oh, yeah. It really does work. Like yeah. you get a good little buzz off. Yeah. Of I it. got nauseous the first time I did it. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I, I was, I was, I was, I'm going to take my jacket off. I just need to. Tom's here. taking his jacket yeah. off. Yeah. Tom here. Green is here. Got a knife here, which is good. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff I, I leave there to, to, so people can, you know, fidget with if necessary. But you, I should have probably put the knife away. <laughs> I did one show with you once. And I didn't know what the fuck was going to happen. I, kind of, I was kind of mad at you, actually. What happened? When? When was that? It was uh, like I, it was Byron Allen's ridiculous show. Oh wow! And uh, you know they tell I said who's on with me? And they're like Tom Green, whoever. Holy cow! And I'm like oh fuck, Tom Green's on, so no one's gonna be able to say anything because he's gonna do something. And I forgot about that. In five that, minutes, that... I think you were in a fish tank. Wow, and, uh, wow, yeah, I've thought about that many times since, and uh, I've seriously, gotten to, yeah, because I've gotten to this sort of place uh, in my life where I sometimes look back at that period of time. Where I just sort of realize, really wonder what the heck was I thinking a lot of the time, you know? But wasn't that part of the thing? Yeah, it was part of the thing. But, you know, it, it, it was sort of like uh, I was in a very sort of uh, developmental phase of what exactly the thing was, right? So, and, and there was a lot of, uh, you know, um, things happening in my life. And all of a sudden I'm on these shows and, you know, it was very overwhelming. And uh, then you're, you know, on Byron Allen with a bunch of other you know, great comedians. In and a warehouse. It was like a yeah. warehouse. Here I'm supposed to tell some jokes, and I haven't got jokes, so I'll just get in the fish tank. You yeah. know, I'll go yeah. run up into the audience. Right. You know, here right. George Wallace is sitting right. there looking yeah. at me That's like, who, who the was. hell is this kid it was George running Wallace. around in the fish tank? You know, tell yeah. some jokes, jerk. I, I think you it know? was me, you... Uh, George Wallace and Orny Adams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what it was. And I think John Lovitz was there too, right? Was he? I yeah. think he was backstage. Okay, yeah. Waiting to do the second taping. I remember after that, I walked backstage and they were doing all these tapings and there was all these other comedians there. And I remember some people looking at me like they were kind of mad at me or something. Like, yeah. I, yeah. And I started getting. Sort I was of, mad at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were the one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. I don't know. It was it was uh, it was an interesting uh, interesting thing. I don't really do that anymore. You know, go on. I I had this thing like when I was a kid doing my public access show, and I how used, old were you when you started that? I was uh, twenty four when I started public access TV. I was doing my radio. I did college radio. Started that when I was about and what 18. was that show? Uh, it was uh, the radio show. Yeah. It was a, I called it the Midnight Caller. I did it every Friday night from midnight till 2 a.m. And we took phone calls. and uh, Real phone calls? Real phone calls. Uh-huh. And, and I did prank calls and stuff like sure. that. Sure. Um, and, and, and then you went to public access? Yeah, yeah. And what was the idea of that show? Just to turn a talk show inside out? Pretty much, yeah. I, like, loved Letterman. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I loved... I wanted to get access to video cameras and stuff. Uh-huh. And uh, I... Uh, Went to school, took broadcasting. A couple of my buddies and I went and started the show. Yeah. We wanted to do basically, you know, a, a crazy version of Letterman, basically. Right. Um, and so going out in the streets. I like yeah, going yeah, out yeah. in the streets. But and doing pushing it. Yeah. yeah. Beyond, uh, and that's what made you famous. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's, it sort of was a slow slower build. And like what happened was I did the show for about seven years on public access in yeah. Canada, living in my parents' basement. And then MTV picked it up and that was really sort of the sort of explosive moment for the show, you know? So you lived in your parents' basement until you were 30? 
No, no, I I, I was in and out of there. Yeah, until uh, I was about I moved I I moved to New York with the show when I was twenty eight. Yeah. Um, I had uh, moved out a couple of years before. Uh-huh. I moved out when I was nineteen. Moved back in again when I was twenty four for a few years, so I could just. And were they, were were you welcome back with open arms, or were they like, ugh? <laughs> um, they wanted me to get a job. I wanted to do the public access show. They were happy that I was focusing on something, so they let me live in the basement. Right? <laughs> were you like, were you a problem? Uh, well, yeah, because I was, you know, I was barging into the house with the cameras all the time, sort right. of, you know, really overstaying my welcome. But as a younger kid, were you a concern? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why? Why? I, I think I think I'm still a concern. <laughs> you know what were the what were the red flags, Tom? When I think they were just really, really concerned that I was never going to be able to support myself, and that they were going to have to support me for the rest of their lives, and they were more concerned about themselves. I think no, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, they were worried about me, you know, because I was always a goofy kid, and uh, you know, whatever, ju- goofing off and stuff. And do I you did, have brothers and sisters? I have a younger brother, yeah. And is he a goofball? Is he like uh, on not, the level? No, he's not so much a goofball. Yeah, he's yeah. He's, he's 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 different kind of guy. He's uh, working. He's yeah, a, they're not concerned about him anymore. yeah no not really no yeah <laughs> <laughs> so the public access was went on for seven years and you had no you, you didn't have any real plans for it you just like doing it there was no money coming in did you build up a following in canada um i wanted to turn it into something yeah i mean i did uh and uh we would edit promo tapes together and right. send them off to the cbc and to the local television stations and, right you know with a little letter asking if they'd give us a pilot, and eventually someone did give us a pilot. In Canada. Yeah, in Canada. Though, if, if you hang out and you're persistent enough, it seems that everyone gets an opportunity in television. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just don't quit. That's what I always figured. Just don't quit. Something's going to happen. And you got the pilot? Got the pilot for the CBC. Yeah. They waited a year to not pick it up. That was in 1997. And then it got picked up by uh, this the Comedy Network in Canada, which was the first year of that network. Right. And they gave us thirteen episodes, and, and that was uh, that was it. And then and then we went to MTV. Yeah, actually, like, we did twenty six episodes. There. Do you think? You, do you consider yourself sort of the uh, the like you must be sort of the godfather of what became your modern punking? You know that there was some element that you took it to this this degree that no one thought you could really do, like all the Letterman pranks or whatever that you you were imposing on real people. You were fucking throwing yourself into things. Like it was sort of punk rock, and I have to assume that. You were before Jackass and before Punked and before all that shit. I think you set some sort of standard. Do you ever think of it that way? Uh, you know, we I was into skateboarding videos and Letterman, and I wanted to kind of, and I had done stand up, and so I, and I loved really outrageous movies and TV shows like Monty Python and yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that. You know, I, 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 I think I figured there's no way I'd ever really be able to get a TV show through traditional methods. Right. You know? So I had to do something that was just sort of so off the deep end that somebody would have to look at it and then maybe we'd find a little niche thing or something. So, so when you went to MTV, you became sort of like a rock star, kind of like a fucking balls-to-the-wall punk rock comedy rock star. And you had all these kids who were like, fucking Tom Green. Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy time. And then like you just, it, it sort of skyrocketed. And I always, I, I don't talk to many people who have gone... Uh, as far up and as dramatically down as you, <laughs> in the yeah. sense that you had a real arc. Yeah, yeah, I mean there was like you know you were culturally visible a lot. Yeah, you know with MTV and then you did a few movies and then you ended up with Drew Barrymore and everyone was like oh fuck that guy. Yeah, he's got it made. 
Yeah, it was definitely was an odd uh, sort of a shift in attitude when uh, the tabloid stuff started. Right? Yeah. Because before, before the tabloid stuff started, everybody basically just loved the show. Right. And then immediately people sort of sort of turn on you because, you know, you're with a movie star or whatever, and they think you're... you're... You, you turned in your punk rock cred. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I never really considered myself much of a punk rock kind of... I mean, I like hip-hop music. I well, like, I mean, just yeah. in terms yeah. of the yeah. attitude. Yeah, yeah. I guess we had that. I guess we did. But Anarchy. I was Fuck always you. too much of a nerd, though, to consider myself really punk, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But um, what you were like? Were you a childhood nerd? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. What was your uh, thing? I was just a goofy kid at school, and uh, like chess, science, Dungeons and Dragons. Not uh, science, no, not chess. But uh, I was into skateboarding and stuff. But back then, skateboarding wasn't cool, right? Did you do pools? No, just just street skating. Oh, okay. Yeah, (laughs) nothing. All the, all the pools in Canada are vinyl. They're lined with vinyl because it's it, they, they freeze. They, they freeze in the winter, so they can't more put, challenging. They can't make concrete pools, so they're soft. Yeah, they're plastic. But um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 it certainly was interesting and has been interesting. And uh, I actually kind of uh, feel a little bit better and and more in my comfort zone now than I did when things were like flying high uh, on on MTV because you know you don't have everybody critiquing every little thing you do when right. I did my web show the last few yeah. years you know we were having lots of people watching it and stuff but you're not getting sort of you know ripped a new asshole by you know people magazine and you're sort of a maverick you know yeah. you you can uh, you can have complete control of your own shit yeah and you've built a pretty good army of people i imagine that liked you yeah so they were all there because i remember checking in with it occasionally yeah because i was like how's he doing this yeah yeah is it working yeah but you found that did, did you find that you could build an audience and get keep people watching yeah we had a lot of people watching and uh it's kind of what led me to want to start touring because i was getting a lot of viewers from all over the country and places like Australia and everywhere I went touring, and uh, I just thought, maybe I should just go take it on the road. You know, it was the only thing I was doing was the yeah, web show, right. and I wanted to uh, get up in front of people. Now, when, you, when you did music, did, were you serious about it? Yeah. Well, that's sort of, when I was a kid, I, we had this record deal in Canada, Yeah, and I did this rap album, Yeah, and uh, we got a record deal, and that was sort of after I, that's kind of why I stopped doing stand-up. We got a record deal. At what, 18 or 19? When I was 18 years old... Uh, I had my first away gig was booked with Yuck Yucks. They booked me at a club in Montreal. I think I think there were there was some other club that yeah. I, I don't think it's there anymore. But uh, and I was all set to go, and then we got this opportunity to go to New York with my buddies who were like seventeen, we're all seventeen, eighteen years old, yeah. and record for the yeah. summer. So I canceled my first away gig and went to New York for six weeks to record a demo. And uh, came back from that and was so ashamed that I had canceled that away gig yeah. that I didn't really go back to the club for about five years because I was just completely embarrassed and ashamed. <laughs> really? Yeah, ashamed and 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 that, you canceled and that I your, canceled this your first my gig. first big gig. You know, I'd done like I've been doing sort of middle spots yeah. in Ottawa when you know, but I hadn't really gotten into the touring yet. And that was always sort of the dream, really, for me as a kid was. To, be a road warrior, a comic, and uh-huh. going out there and doing what you know Harland and yeah. Norm were doing. Yeah, yeah. That was that was. Well, that what was... was the rap song? I mean, wait, were I mean, were you serious? Like, did you you and like two friends had a whole rap? Yeah, entourage we, there, and you were doing. We were kind of trying to do the Beastie Boys, our okay. version of the Beastie Boys. So kind of funny, goofy Canadian suburban Beastie Boys. Yeah. Did you get any traction with that? Did you release uh, some yeah. singles? Yeah, we had a we had a we had a hit record in Canada. 
Really? So, yeah, it was played on all the record uh, radio stations. Did you and, cash in a little bit? Uh, no, we made no money. We made no money. We did a pizza commercial for a local pizza chain and, and got uh, $1,200 that we split three ways. That's and we thought we had... That was a lot of money, too. Free pizza? Yeah. Yeah, I have a couple free pizzas, yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, we were really into it. We were we were excited about it. We but uh, it uh, it sort of fizzled out after an album. Yeah, it was weird though because you know at eighteen years old in Canada, ten years before the show was on MTV, you know we had this this song went to number one in certain cities. It was we won the award on Much Music, uh-huh. which is like MTV award for best so, new for uh, band best or? rap video. Oh, okay, nineteen ninety two. So you did what? How many? You, you did one year run. You did how many of the MTV shows? Uh, like you know in your arc there how long were you on the air over there um on mtv uh probably 26 episodes yeah and then when did you get the uh testicular cancer uh right when the show was basically the number one show on mtv i got testicular cancer i think we were the number two show on mtv after the real world we how, were like hit show how old were you <laughs> uh i was 28 yeah and, and how did you f- figure that out I had a uh, uh, sort of a numbness, swollen feeling yeah. in my right testicle. Yeah. Went to the doctor. Uh, doctor misdiagnosed it as uh, um, epididymitis. Yeah, uh, when it gets put, tangled up. Yeah, put me on antibiotics. Uh, went and sh- went to my hometown with Monica Lewinsky and shot an hour-long episode with Monica Lewinsky in my hometown with uh-huh. the, in pain. And shot a couple other episodes. Went, kept going back to the doctor, going, "This isn't going away." Yeah. And then uh, he did an ultrasound, told me it was cancer. Then, and then I switched doctors immediately. Fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> immediately <laughs> began researching, you know, testicular cancer. Found out the best uh, uh, doctor in in the world basically was in Los Angeles here at USC. Yeah. And, uh, went over there and and. Uh, was fortunate enough to get in there. Doctor Drew actually set me up over there because we really? had the same manager at the time. Yeah, wasn't that interesting? And, uh, Show uh, business meets yeah. medicine. Yeah, Howard Lapidus, who you probably yeah, the know, manager guy. Yeah, he, I remember uh, him. Yeah, but like testicular cancer is like that's a that's bad. I mean, that, if that goes, it can like get your whole body pretty quickly, right? Yeah, it's it's bad. It's really bad. I mean, it's not a fun thing to deal with. You know, it uh, takes a lot out of you physically. Like not not the Getting the testicle removed is pretty simple. And you put that all on camera, the whole yeah. process of this. Yeah, and I've been putting a lot of stuff up on uh, on, on my website recently, and uh, uh, most of the stuff I put up on my website is from the old public access show, but I did put the cancer special on there, and uh, we filmed and documented the whole, uh, whole scary procedure process. My parents down there in the hospital, everything. Filmed the surgery. The, the crazy part of the surgery for me was... Uh, a lymph node dissection where they they cut you from, you know, basically they, they, they gut you like a fish, right? Mm-hmm. They take your intestines out and set them on the table. Oh. It's this eight-hour surgery. This is on camera? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. showed this shit? Yeah, yeah. You can see it all sort of like, it looks like one of these, you know. So you're out and you've signed a release for yeah. them to be able to do that. Well, actually, what we did, no, I, I wasn't quite that crazy. We filmed everything leading up to the surgery. Everything immediately after the surgery, but the hospital actually has a camera mounted over the uh, operating, operating table. table. So we just got those tapes and used the the close up of my intestines getting taken out. And everyone, they, everyone's seen this on MTV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't. I gotta watch yeah. it now. I think I can handle it. I don't know. It's a really crazy show. It's a. I mean, it's a. It's actually um, was a very uh, positive show. 
and it's gotten a lot of great feedback from people who've had cancer and uh, a lot of people actually diagnosed their cancer because of the show. And I, I get people come up to me all the time now everywhere I go and say, you know, I went and saw that show. I went to the doctor. And I've, I've sort of, it's weird having been so public about it because on one hand it feels good because, you know, everywhere I go when I'm on tour, there's always inevitably one kid every weekend will come up to me and go, hey, man, you know, I have testicular cancer. I had it. And we talk about it. And it's sort of an emotional thing. Wow. But then the other hand, every time I go anywhere, someone else will probably yell out of a cab or say, hey, how's your nut, Tom? You know, how's your ball doing, buddy? You know, which happens so frequently that you wouldn't even believe. And people think they're being funny. You know, they think I'm going to be like, ha, ha, yeah, 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 thanks a lot for bringing it. That's funny because I made a joke about it myself. Right. But I don't think people always realize that, you know, part of the reason I think we make jokes sometimes about things that are scary is because we're sort of using it as a self-defense mechanism, a self cathartic mechanism sure. well, not to, to fall deal. into a pit of darkness and fear and yeah, yeah. worse than everything i mean i can't imagine that the diagnosis i mean that moment where you hear cancer it's got to be like fuck yeah it's, i mean it's scary and crazy and uh and uh sort of surreal and uh it changes you forever uh you know sort of realize that you know we could potentially be dead at any moment so and on one hand you're like oh, okay this is great you know let's live life for the moment let's yeah. be positive right. let's enjoy every moment because life is short and on the other hand you're sort of grateful you're grateful but then you're also in a panic now yeah, i'm in right. a panic now that's why I'm smoking these electric cigarettes so i yeah. just you feel that sort of you know very uh, you know, a uh, real possibility that something could go wrong with your body, which you don't normally think about it's when you're 28. To, it's going to. It's definitely going to happen, but I always assumed it would be, okay, I'll yeah. live to be 80, yeah, you know, yeah, with yeah. my grandparents. Right. And right. I got a long time right. to, you know, screw around till then, but... No. Yeah, do no. You ha- now, do you have to go get screened every year, or what do you do? Not anymore, because it's been about uh, about 12 years, so I'm completely free, cancer-free, and, and, and there's no issue or no no chance of it returning, basically. And they put, like, a, a, a prosthetic ball in there? I uh, That's elective, and I chose not to. So you're just one you know, bald? I'm not, yeah. That's all right. You know, they go in through the... Um, they go in from above. Yeah. They don't they don't uh, like hack apart your scrotum or anything yeah, like that. Right. I don't have like a stitched up scrotum. <laughs> Dis- disfigured yeah, they scrotum. don't cut that part. Yeah. The sack does, yeah. is completely intact. Right? Yeah, yeah. They go in from above <laughs> and they kinda reach in and they I say this is what I say, they shuck it out like an oyster, <laughs> is what they do. But um so you know, it's really kind of somewhat uh Did you look at the prosthetic balls though? Did they bring them in and say like you know, I did, I looked sizes? at them. I looked at them. My doctor said, you know what, uh, you know, uh, some people elect to do this, but I would necessarily say it's important i'm glad i didn't do it i've talked to a lot of young people now who've gotten them and who don't like it you know why because it just feels they weird. just find themselves like rubbing it all the time i can't imagine having a piece of plastic in there because you'd be squeezing it all the time but then you'd be probably squeezing like the the scrotal skin would be probably getting all bruised so squeezing up. it because you can yeah right <laughs> you like pumping away on it like so, look so, what i can do don't feel nothing yeah yeah, yeah. so i uh i don't uh I'm glad I didn't get it. I'm and and, and it. after that special, that I mean, how did the MTV thing end? Did they did did they decide that you had, <laughs> that was the end of it? Or no, no, I were actually, they happy with that show? They were happy with the show. The show didn't get canceled. The yeah. show was a was a, a was was one of their most successful shows at the time. I, uh, you know, had been doing the show for ten years. You know, including the public access, all the public access yeah. stuff. Um, 
and I just uh, had some other opportunities to go make a couple films. Yeah, and uh, I decided, you know, I was I was physically drained from the from this thing, and I just uh, said, you know, I think I'm gonna gonna go another direction, and I went and made you know Road Trip and Freddie Got Fingered. Is that when you met Drew? Uh, I met her when uh, she um, she contacted me because uh, she wanted me to be in Charlie's Angels. Right. So, so that went, was after the ball cancer. That was. Um, it's funny. I uh, don't. I rarely talk about this this element of my life because yeah. it's like one of those things where it's like, yeah, you know. Uh, you know, first of all, it's a weird. But I'm, I, I want to talk about it with you because uh, I think this is a a, a fun. Uh, a good forum for this. Yeah. Where I can just sort of talk about it. Yeah. Um you know, it was uh it was it was right when I got cancer was exactly the exact same time that we started dating. Right. And so I was doing the movie Charlie's Angels, we started dating, I had a swollen ball, uh you know, I was, you know, kind of living in a new country, it was yeah. new life, things right. were, were surreal at yeah. the time, you know? Everything was good except for the ball. Except for the ball. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the ball was a problem. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Yeah. And so you just started dating her and it was great? It was. It was for about, we lived together for about two years and, uh, you know, dated for two and a half years and it was uh, it was great uh, for uh, for a good chunk of that. And... Uh, and uh, but then it wasn't great, and then we yeah. broke up. You know, but she of, she yeah. was with you throughout the cancer and, and and stuck with you through that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, she seems like a pretty nice person. Yeah, in general, nice enough to marry for five months at least. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I've been married twice, man. Yeah, I, yeah. They, they, they were both three and a half years. So I mean, I I, I think uh, the thing is, is you uh, got to imagine what would it be like? Yeah, for you. Yeah. What's your first wife's name? Uh, Kim. Kim. Yeah. What would it be like for you mm-hmm. if every time you left up your house, yeah. every day yeah. for the rest of your life, <laughs> between five and ten people, between the time you left your house and got back home, yeah. came up to you and said, hey, how's Kim? You talked to Kim lately? <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember you with Kim. Oh, weren't, you, weren't you married to that Kim? <laughs> Welcome to my life. <laughs> you know, it's still so I'm guilty of it. A constant theme, yeah, and that's expected because I'm here and we're talking about my life and stuff, and I understand that. But when you're, you know, I think everyone pumping gas, yeah. you know, or, yeah. or uh, you well, know, we, eating we, a sandwich at Subway or yeah. something, and someone come, you know, it's 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 and and then and the people like to loudly talk about it in front, you know, hey man, you're with that uh, Drew Barrymore, Barrymore huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I I I'm sort of fascinated about you know how things fucking go shitty. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, and like I don't always know, like I know what happened in my first marriage, a second marriage sort of got away from me. Yeah. You know, now I'm with somebody now. So like, it's just a different perspective. And and everybody, I think with celebrities and, and someone like her, who everyone's had some sort of relationship with in this country since she was like nine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like, well, what the fuck happened? <laughs> Whose fault was it? And, it, what, it, you know? and it's the oddest thing because, you know, as somebody that has always put my personal life out there with my parents on the show and making fun of myself and doing all the things I've done. You know, I've always, you know, the tendency is to want to just rant sure. about it, right? Sure. But it's just it's just so not really a viable option to go around ranting about why it went wrong. First of all, I'm sure she has a completely different opinion about why it went and wrong you're different than I people do. now, too. Yeah. yeah. And so uh 
you know, we don't really have any sort of uh, relationship anymore. I haven't talked to her in probably seven or eight years. Is that wild? Um, you when know, you don't have kids? We, uh, somebody, we, uh... we were living together. We're married. Um, she, uh, when she, when she, when she left that, the house that day, when we decided to get a divorce, yeah. I uh, have never seen her since. That was uh, oh. over 10 years ago. Is that wild? But still, man? her name gets brought up. Every day, so it's an odd thing, and you and you and you want to go. Oh, this is what went wrong, and this has happened, and she did this, and she did that, blah blah blah. And then you just sound like some jerk walking around. That's like, the choice, isn't complaining it? Complaining about you know America's uh, sweetheart, and so it's just kind of like you know what? I just choose to say nothing until now, where I've gone off on a rant with an electric cigarette. But, uh, but no, you, but, but it to, wasn't really a rant. The, the weird thing about because yeah. I noticed this about my second wife as well is that as as angry as I was. There's things that, you know, that happened there and, and personal things about her that like it, as much as I fucking hated her for the time I did, I will not I will not share that stuff. Yeah. And it's got nothing to do with me. It's actually out of respect for them. Yeah. That even when your heart is broken, there's some sort of weird like, well, that's really low and I'm not going to yeah. bring that up. I mean, fuck her. Yeah. But, but yeah, I'm exactly. not going to I'm not going to do that. Exactly. And I've, I've kind of uh, I don't know if I want to say that I've matured, but I, I, I want to try to just move forward and be positive and not necessarily dwell on things that uh, have happened in the past. And uh, Did the cancer do that to you too? I mean, was there, a, a, after you sort of came through that tunnel where you're like, you know, I've got to fucking, you know, not be dragged into the darkness at bullshit. Uh, yeah, it did. It did. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the thing that happened with the cancer, which I think is something that I'm really only kind of figuring out now. Yeah. And I'm still kind of coming to grips with it. Yeah. Is that it was just a physically very uh demanding uh thing. It took a major toll on my on my body, on my on my um uh, physical uh, uh energy level. Yeah. And so I went from being this sort of really hyper person to being sort of a more of a a, a calm uh I have a bit of a uh you know, a lack of energy. I remember the first time I, w I went snowboarding again after I got sick. And uh, I used to be really into snowboarding and skateboarding. And, you know, we'd go snowboard all day. And I went snowboarding. I couldn't even get to the bottom of the hill without having to sit down, take yeah, a yeah, breath. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it took took quite a while for me to kind of realize that, like, um, I was kind of going through some stuff that wasn't really anything about, you know, beating the cancer. It was just I have to kind of find a way to kind of get my body healthy again. So I've, you know, in the last couple of really only in the last year or so, I've really kind of figured I have to, I have to get out there and do exercise right. and uh, not, you know, um, look after my health a bit more. So, well, that's good, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that, it's weird when you get to, I mean, you're younger than me by like eight years. You're what are you, 41, 42, something like that? 41, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you start to realize like, wow, I'm halfway done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sort of, how do I maintain this? Yeah. But uh, when when would, when did you get to do uh, the Letterman show? When was that guest hosting gig? Uh, that was later. That was that was pretty cool. That was uh, that was like uh, about six or seven seven years ago, maybe. And what was the setup for that? I mean, did you was that something you aspired to? Did you feel like you were in the running that there was a uh, you, you know that you could do a traditional show? Um, I I always have loved interviewing people. Yeah, and uh, you know that's why I really wanted to come on your show. Well, I hope so I'm I really it. love your show, and I think you're. I, you know, I love listening to your show. Well, and thanks, man. And uh, and uh, this has been 
Am I doing a good job? Awesome and pleasant so far, you know. <laughs> I, I got You're no... making me feel good and comfortable, which I think is important because I think a lot of people don't do that. <laughs> that wasn't really your angle, was it, originally? Not originally, <laughs> but then when I did my web show, I, yeah. I, I figured that out. Yeah. And I, I, I like to uh, interview comedians. I yeah. like to let people be funny and set them up for a laugh and all that, that stuff. That is a new you, Tom. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. <laughs> You're going to surrender the stage a little bit. Yeah, well, and I think that's part of the reason why I wanted to start doing stand-up, because after doing the web show for five years, I kind of started getting a little antsy of being the straight man. I wanted to go out and go wild and be wacky again, and that's that's my stand-up is a lot more physical and loud and, and energetic, and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm being... Uh, you know, provocative and talking, uh, talking more. So you're getting to, that out now in, yeah. that, in that venue. Yeah. And not just asking questions and, and setting people up for the laughs and stuff, which I love doing too. But so, uh, the Letterman, uh, they called me out of nowhere is what happened. I wasn't lobbying. Uh, I just was, I was actually, uh, was that, was the contractual time where, where someone, he was balking or was that the open heart surgery time? When I know there was uh, this a- was an odd, uh, one off time where he just, uh, I'm not sure why he wasn't doing the show that day. Right. He wasn't sick because he right. was actually, it was done on a uh, the Friday, the day they do the two shows. Yeah. And he had done the one show and huh. then, and then uh, I came in and did the second show. That's bizarre. But and they he, called he, me the day before. Yeah. And said, uh, you know, can you be in New York tomorrow? I was in LA. And they said, can you be in New York tomorrow? Uh, you're, you're, it was actually my Howard Lapidus called and yeah. said, hey, are you sitting down? Yeah. Uh, why? I said, oh, well, you're hosting Letterman tomorrow what you know and i just sort of it was a whirlwind from there and they you know i had to write my monologue i didn't you know there was they said you got to write your monologue so i just started coming up with jokes yeah and yeah my friends some friends of mine who yeah are, are comedy writers to help who, who are helping. those guys uh, my friend gabe abelson i know gabe yeah well he writes for letterman yeah, yeah. he had written for letterman for yeah. years and yeah. uh, he was writing on my show uh-huh. and we immediately started thinking of some some stuff and uh-huh. um and uh, it was it was probably the most surreal twenty four hours of my life because you know you know it's a dream went, went straight it was like a dream it was like a, it was it was it was definitely even more bizarre than than being a guest on the show for the first time you yeah know, you know they play the music you know well, the you got you got to sit in the driver's seat Paul Schaefer was there playing the theme song <laughs> yeah. they announced your name in the Ed Sullivan Theater yeah. I'm walking out and yeah. <laughs> it was uh, it was just very very odd and and me. I get very nervous always before I go on stage or do anything. So this was compounded by about a hundred percent. So a hundred. And how'd times. you do? I think it went good. I had a good time. I, Dave actually, um, I didn't uh, talk to him there at backstage. I got to talk to Paul a bit backstage, but he uh, he uh, wrote me a nice letter and said, uh, you know, thought I did a great job. Thank you. You did a great job. It was a little typed up letter, and it was it was a really really cool thing to have. Who were the guests? Uh, the guests were uh, uh, Scott Stevens from the New Jersey Devils, yeah. a hockey player, and uh, Jolene Blaylock from uh, Star Trek Babylon 5, uh, Deep Space Nine, one of those shows. Uh-huh. The hockey guest was good because cause, uh, the, the New Jersey Devils had just beaten the Ottawa Senators in the... Uh, in the playoffs, and so that's my team. That's my home fire there. So I had a bit. I, I I came. We came up with a bit to do, which was pretty fun. I wanted to move around this show a bit, so yeah. uh, I, uh, I I pulled out a hockey jersey and I I set it up with Scott yeah. Stevens before, but right. I pulled, pulled out a hockey jersey from the Ottawa Senators. I pulled out a Devils jersey, gave it to him. He's known to be a enforcer, a, a you know one of the physical, yeah, you know, violent players. You yeah, know? he'll take you down. 
And uh, I said, I'm from Ottawa, and I'm a little upset about this, and I'm Canadian. I want to show you how Canadians play hockey. And I pull out a stick, and I hand him a stick, and I walk over to the center of the performance area and uh, throw the puck on the ground and start stick handling around it. And then he, you know, the bit is then he basically body checks me and slams me all the way across the room and into Paul's organ. So, yeah. So it was cool. Did you play hockey? I did. I grew up playing hockey, yeah. So it was... uh, you know, you, you have to play hockey in Canada. That's the thing about every kid pretty much plays hockey. I started playing hockey, ice hockey when I was four years old. And, uh, and you can't, and, and you're playing on, it doesn't really work when you're four years old, but they, they strap the skates on you anyway. Yeah, your boat, your You're, you're, you're just waddling around the ice. A kid gets the puck, shoots it, it goes to the other end, and then they all waddle back the other way like a bunch of penguins chasing this thing around. But uh, hockey's weird because then, then you get good at it when you're around, you know, 10 years old, you start to get good at it. They yeah. train you to, they train you to skate, they train you to stick handle and you gotta, you gotta get good at shooting and who's you learn all these skills. Who's the they? There's a national yeah, organization. Your, your dad, your, yeah. your teachers, your coaches. It's all about hockey. It's all about hockey. Uh, you know, if, if you wanted to go to the outdoor rink at the end of every, everybody has an outdoor rink in their neighborhood. Right. And if you want to go and, and stay up till one o'clock in the morning, they just, leave the lights on, you know, on a goals. school night. Yeah. As yeah. long as you're practicing hockey, you can stay out. So you <laughs> we get, might need that kid. Yeah. <laughs> Your da- every, every kid's father secretly hopes you're going to be the next Daryl Sittler. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you'd, you'd, they would freeze. Or my dad would freeze the backyard. And oh, really? So, you know, you, 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 Just so you could skate around. Yeah, the you, you, you flatten all the snow down in the backyard, then you spray water on it, and then it turns into a rink, and you spray water on it every day, so you can go out in the backyard and take slap shots against the fence, right? You'd say Daryl Sittler would stay out till four o'clock in the morning practicing his slap shot. You can stay out there as long. And so basically, you couldn't go to bed, or yeah. you can go out and stand in minus forty degrees and and shoot a rubber puck against the so uh, what did you fence. do? Did you uh, did you? Uh, I was into it, t- but then when you t- get to be about thirteen or fourteen years old, you sort of don't want to do it as much anymore. But you're caught up in the, s- the sort of the peer pressure of it all. And then when you're fifteen, the whole game changes, and it becomes about physical contact. Before that, physical contact is not part of the game. It's about stick handling and shooting. You're Building not allowed your skills. No body checking allowed. Right. Then all of a sudden, you hit puberty, and it's the biggest kid is basically slams you into the boards. I got my arm busted the first year of physical contact and never played again. So, Was that in a school game or just in, no, a, in a community in a, league? In a community league, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. I was never a sports kid. Were you a wrestling fan? Um, not really. No, no. I, 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 I always, no, I never really got caught up in wrestling. I got, I got into skateboarding and, uh, I just thinking about the way you perform and was, uh, was Kaufman an impression on you? Dandy Kaufman shit? Oh, well, you know, Kaufman, Kaufman. you know, I really kind of, uh, discovered him later. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so I, I think, I think I might've been just, I might've been just a little bit too young when he was hitting his peak there yeah yeah, um, yeah. and uh i didn't really know about him until after my show went on mtv actually and then people start i would they you start know, comparing you well there were little things we did like i drove the audience home once on my show in canada right. and then everyone said oh andy kaufman did that i and said oh like, really yeah. oh well, and then i good. really and then the man on the moon movie came out and i got cancer at the same time as that movie was coming out and it was all very strange so i i became a huge fan of his uh after the fact and did went, you think it was beyond coincidence <laughs> That is just like Kaufman is is mystically taking revenge on you from the grave with the movie. You know, I uh, 
the thought crossed my mind. <laughs> I did think about, uh, you know, you do think about things like that when you get sick. You know, you think about, you know, um, you know, like I, I, I had, I had a, a, a very strong connection with Andy Kaufman at, at that point because you're very emotional, you're, you're scared, and then this movie's out, and I would go watch that movie, and you're weeping in the movie, you know, yeah, watching yeah, this yeah. Yeah. Did, were, are, but did, in that moment, though, I mean, were you brought up with the with the God thing? I mean, like when you when you're facing cancer, I mean, was it? Did you have anywhere to go with the fear, or were you more practical about? It? Uh, I actually remember, not remember. I I, 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 yeah, I remember sitting in the shower in in my house that I was renting from William Shatner, who was my landlord. Still? At, no, but at the time, who I'd been, I'd been living in L.A. for a year. <laughs> he was your I'm, actual uh, dating land- Drew Barrymore. Uh, Shatner was your actual William Shatner's my hand- landlord, a hands-on landlord, not a management company. Like you had no, a- he was a hands-on landlord. He'd come pick up the check. <laughs> Captain Kirk would come pick up the check occasionally. Yeah. He was a nice guy. He was yeah. a really cool guy. And a Canadian, super cool, super He's nice. Canadian, right? Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. that how you got the house? Because, I mean, did you know you were renting from William Shatner? How do you get William Shatner's house? Um, it just got lucky, man. Uh, he, he he had a house, one of his properties that he owns, and uh, he it was for rent. And uh, I went there, and, you know, while they're showing you their house, they're like, by the way, you know, your landlord's William Shatner. And I'm like, really? Well, I'm in. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was very surreal. There was so much surreal stuff happening. Cause, and I remember, but I was sitting in the shower, sitting down in the shower, just kind of, Scared, yeah, really, really, yeah. Ass- assuming death was imminent, right? Uh, I mean, I figured if I'm so unlucky that I'm going to get testicular cancer now while all this great stuff is happening, then I'm going to be, you know, one of the ones that dies from it too, right? Right. And uh, literally just panic stricken. Um, and I remember praying to God, yeah, for real, yeah, you know, like like he was listening to me and he was actually, you know, going to possibly do something about it. And I, and, and you're at that point where. You know, I, I went to church uh, Sunday school when I was a kid till I was about six or seven. And Catholic, then we, uh, Protestant, uh-huh. and then we stopped. And I didn't. We weren't really super religious, but uh, um, weren't religious. Uh, yeah. But you know, went to. You know, there was a certain amount when you're a kid where they want you to learn about sure. it from a historic perspective. Right. But, right. But right. Uh, then all of a sudden, it just goes like, okay, well, if there is a chance that this is real, real. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take any chances here. You know, I'm gonna pray to this this God right now. Getting his good graces yeah, now. Yeah. I and I did that quite a bit. Yeah. And I'm alive, so who knows? Who knows? Yeah. I've thought about that quite a bit. You know, I and I don't. I'm not somebody that goes around and says I don't believe in God. But I'm not somebody that sort of reads the Bible every day either. But I I, I know there's enough things that have surprised me in my life. Enough things that have happened where I'm just like, oh wow, that that the world is completely different than I had perceived it at one point not that long ago. So, and there are so many things that are uh, unknown. Yeah, that I, I can't really sort of sit around yeah. and say, oh, there's no God. You right, know, I, right, I don't do that. You just keep quiet and yeah, pretty much. <laughs> don't don't engage with that shit. Pretty much, just don't talk about it that much. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm trying to like, who are your your pals? You still got showbiz pals? Yeah, I guess so. I have yeah. a lot of. Fr- I met a lot of people doing my web show. I mean, it's a great way to Wasn't make Andy friends. Wasn't Andy Dick on there a lot? Did Andy you? Dick came on a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm friends with uh, Andrew Dice Clay. I've become good friends with. Who He's came a good on. guy? Yeah. Seth Green was Seth Green one of your guys? Uh, no, he didn't didn't do the show. I, I, he, but uh, I've met him a few times. So he's not somebody I hang with. But I actually hang out with uh, you know 
dice and um I've got a lot of friends that are not in show business too. Yeah, but, Dice, uh, Dice is an interesting guy. Harlan Williams is one of my good buddies. He's a good guy. I was, um, I was in Ireland with Harlan. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a he's a trooper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Steve O. Hang with Steve O. A little bit from that Jackass. Makes that makes sense. We're doing some shows together in Vegas. A double bill in Vegas. So oh really? We're doing three uh, three weekends over the course of. Uh, Three months in the new year, so January, February, March, we're doing. He's a sober guy now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's cool. We go. He's a good influence on me. I why you a boozer? I have been known to have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm trying. It's one of these things I'm trying to cut back on. Uh, yeah, had too many of these sort of situations in the last few years where I go, I wake up the next day and I say, you know what, that was just. I was out of control there. Yeah, yeah. And I've always, you know, being Canadian, you what, grow. What, what would be. Uh, an example of Tom Green being out of control. I mean, how do you judge that? Well, when you're not in control of your out of controlness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that one got away from me. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, the, the the show was always. I was never. I never drank when I did the show. Right. I, I don't drink when I when I do stand up I don't drink on stage I don't drink before I go on stage but I drink after I get off the stage sure. and uh and uh, cuz all the the stuff I did on the show was was like you said it was it was controlled out of controlness really right. we were right. trying to make it look out of control and uh but it really was pretty structured and 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 thought through believe it or not but but uh you know well I ta- I've talked about this before but Sorry. When I went and did The Apprentice with Donald Trump, yeah. the Celebrity Apprentice, Donald Trump, Celebrity Apprentice, I got fired on the third episode because I went out boozing with, with Dennis Rodman the night I was the project manager. Right. Right. And I went, I, it just turned into such a wild night, Rodman and I, out at strip clubs and just going nuts. And I, 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 you know, stump, I was the project manager. Okay, I had to sell wedding dresses the next day. I was competing <laughs> against Joan Rivers for the ladies' team. I should have taken it more seriously, uh, obviously. But uh, I'd been on this show for three weeks, and everybody had been everybody on the the guys' team had sort of created an alliance against me, Andrew Dice Clay, and Dennis Rodman. So I had Clint Black, Brian McKnight, Jesse James. Herschel Walker and Scott Hamilton all kind of teaming up against us. And they were being, you know, everyone was really being quite, uh, you know, really a bunch of jerks basically to each other. Everyone yeah. was just being real jerks to each other. And I'd gone on the show because I liked the show. I thought it was a hilarious show. And I like like watching Trump and I think it's funny and I thought I could win the thing. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, you're in this fake world, in a fake boardroom and you got Scott Hamilton screaming at you because he thinks it's real, right? Right. And he's screaming at you because, you know, you didn't put enough sugar in the cupcake batter in, in some challenge you're doing. You've been there for 16 hours, asked to make cupcakes. And, uh, you know, everyone's mad at each other because you're not following the instructions properly. And this is like a Olympic gold medalist, you know, and a Herschel Walker wanted to kick my ass, literally physically was intimidating me, he came at me uh, uh, at one point. And... Uh, and after three weeks of that, because it takes about a week to shoot each episode, I just didn't really want to be there that much anymore. And yeah. Rodman was the so much fun. Yeah. And he's, you know, he said to me on camera, hey, you want to go out and get a drink? And I saw the camera sort of as we were walking out in that last shot. And I yeah. knew I'm editing it in my head. You, you know? knew what was going on. Oh, they're going to use that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go get a drink. <laughs> 
And I, kind of, I think I kept the show going after they stopped taping. We just went too far. But I got fired because of it. And I sort of woke up after that and said, you know, there's an example of how I sort of, you know, sometimes as a sort of a, I don't know, sometimes I think I've failed at things on purpose. Like, I'm not saying that this is exactly a metaphor for my movie, Freddy Got Fingered, but because people really love the movie now. But at the time, we were thinking, okay, we've got to do make this more disgusting than anything we've ever seen. We've got to make it more outrageous. We've got to push it so far that we're going to get in trouble, that the studio's going to get mad, then we're going to go fight with the studio to convince them more blood, more jizz, more, yeah. you know, uh, and we want to piss off everybody who's watching the movie. We don't want to make everybody laugh. We want to make at least half the people hate the movie. Right. And that was funny to us. Right. And I think... Also, like the, on the Byron Allen show, when I go on and I was going ape shit at the time, I think what it was is okay. I think a lot of young people do that. Actually, young people listening out there, if you're listening to me, when you're young, I think sometimes there's this sort of insecurity of I don't really know what I'm doing, so I'm going to just do it wrong, Be but defiant. I'm going to do it so wrong that it becomes right because I don't know how to actually just go do it right. But you're you know? also defying people. Yeah. Yeah. L- yeah. Like, like there's that idea where, you know, if you can cause as much shit, mm-hmm. then yeah. you've accomplished something. Yeah. I didn't want to go make... <laughs> there's a guy crying and someone's yelling at me. I did something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And 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 that that was what you tried to do. And, yeah. uh, and I think doing stand-up is... You know, and focusing on that has really kind of, and being older and having thought about this stuff for a few years has really made me realize, you you don't want to get up on stage in a comedy club and have half the people laughing really hard and the other half of the people walking out in disgust. I mean, I I, I like to have everybody or at least, you know, 99% of the people really enjoying themselves. So much more of a fulfilling thing. So, you know, I haven't done as much of that polarizing stuff. I'm more trying to talk about, I mean, I still, still talk about controversial things. And, uh, but I, I'm trying to do it in a way where people, uh, you know, understand and, and get what you're trying to say. So this is, this is, uh, this is the immaturity. This is your version of maturity. It's like, I'm not, I'm not going to see how much I can gross out or upset or, or aggravate people. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is, is once you've done that a few times, it becomes like, you want, I, I always like to try something new too. You know, it's sort of, um, like when I started the show, on public access 15 years ago or whatever. Yeah. The first bit I did was going around in the street. I like doing man on the street bits with a handheld mic. I'd sure. tape meat to my head and I'd go interview people deadpan as if there was nothing wrong. Right. And that was outrageous. Yeah. We did a lot of stuff like that. Then we went through a phase where we you know, would do stuff with roadkill. Yeah. You know, and that was crazy. Yeah. Then I went through, then we did some pranks. We went through a pranking phase where yeah. it was more of, and then, and each phase would get sort of boring after you'd done the bit. 10 times i don't i don't really want to make another gross out movie, movie. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah 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 people have asked you know i, I thought about making a freddie got fisted though it's been <laughs> requested by people make a sequel freddie so, got fisted now are these people that uh, that have been fans since uh since they were 14 are now in their late 20s you know still coming up to a lot you? a lot of that yeah that do you find that they're evolving at all do you find that is there something uh, something about your audience when when you see somebody who got on board in their teen years because of how uh, over the top you are do you find they come up to you as grown-ups and and they're still that guy or, or is there people that you have matured along with you i mean do you, are yeah you, it's a it's it's uh it's it's 
it's a bit of both. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I have people coming to my show who, you know, had, you know, sometimes people get dragged to the show by somebody that is a big fan and right. then they come up to me after and they say, oh, I wasn't expect to, expecting to really like it so much. And I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, you people have low expectations, you know. Uh, thank you. Thank you for that. Um <laughs> And then, uh, but then the people that were expecting it to be sort of some uh, gross-out thing are still. It's still. I'm still being. I'm. I'm still being loud and 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 high energy. But you do. Some people do come up and say like, "We thought you were gonna." You know, I haven't. I haven't had that so much. No, because I. I. I think that uh, it's. It's still. I'm still sort of trying to maintain some element of outrageousness to my stand-up. But even you want to be liked. Yeah, this is I, a new thing for you. I think so. Do yeah. you think you always wanted to be like? I think you were so. Just sort I'm of sure. Defying yeah. people to I, like you. I think so. Do you like me now? Yeah, <laughs> I think I think so. Yeah, I think it's always been uh, something that you sort of grapple with when you do comedy because you know you have you know from the very first day of doing the show there was a thing called a viewer. It was pre-internet, right? When we started the show, pretty right. much 1994, right? It wasn't really internet, as we know now. And right. there was a viewer response line at the station, an uh, answering machine. <laughs> and the station would, people would call yeah. and, and they would leave comments. Right. And then the station would print out the comments right. and leave them at the front desk for all the people working at the station to read. Yeah. And our show, and from the very beginning, was 50% of people loved it and 50% yeah. of the people hated it. So from 1994, I've gotten used to reading these sort of criticisms of myself yeah and 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 you sort of start to go okay people like this people hate this oh but i like that they hate this they were supposed to hate this right and uh you know now it's it's sort of now the internet it's just so much so much worse and <laughs> that you know you know you're on twitter and yeah. you know you inevitably have somebody calling you you know tweeting you every day going oh you know i thought you were dead uh, yeah, you yeah. know why don't you just kill yourself you right know, oh great thanks a lot you know and then you have also people going calling you a legend you know yeah, and yeah. oh well geez i'll kill myself uh and uh, they love the show you and know, do you engage with it i uh i block every negative comment on twitter and instantly you block anybody who can, does a negative comment pretty much yeah that's my new my new uh non-engagement. Uh, uh, Does it hurt your feelings? Not anymore, no. No, because it's it's become so normal to understand that, you know, sometimes to, sometimes when I, I sort of start to feel a little bad about it, I'll go on YouTube and I'll look up some Tom Hanks videos and I'll read the comments and somebody will be, ah, Tom Hanks is a goof loser. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I feel so much better. <laughs> you know, go read some, some, you know, you go read, you go read the biggest movie star in comedy right. history. And you right. go read the comments under their thing. Oh, they're, they're dissing, you know, yeah. Sandler and Will Ferrell and Zach Galifianakis too. Right. So, you know, whatever. They're, those are what, that's what those people do. Yeah. They, they, they don't care who, yeah. they're, they, that's what they do. They, sh they, they go onto a board and they shit. Yeah. The and, trolls yeah. Are, are alive and well. And uh, it was actually a fun thing on my, on my web show because we purposely, I purposely sort of gave them this forum to- You baited them? Yeah. I, I, I got a phone line and said, call me and, and, and essentially turned it into this place for trolls to call in and tell me to fuck off basically and tell my some... guests to fuck off and and uh you can swear on this right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i know <laughs> but did you get a lot of calls oh yeah yeah it was it was constant <laughs> people uh, loved it yeah it was a sort of a thing where we had this uh you know uh, online group called 4chan which is you know essentially now gone on to become like an online terrorist organization who's called in you know bomb threats on the San Diego football stadium but back then they were just telling me to fuck off so so, so you inspired something yeah <laughs> it was cool and i was to me i'd always when i was when i was 
young, I'd like to call into uh, phone-in radio shows and do characters and freak out the host. That was that was what what we did back then. Yeah, so, yeah. So I sort of uh, I, I I I I understand trolls, but I just I I've, I find on on Twitter and on the internet, once you engage, it just becomes something every time like you know you oh yeah well you fuck off well you fuck off and then all of a sudden it grows and grows and grows and it just becomes this sort of negative thing so i and just you can't them. win yeah you can't win because it's even even when you do win you sort of lose because, because you're engaging you're engaging and it grows yeah so, so now the stand-up what, what do you got you bring one person out with you you're doing a straight up three-man show or how does it work usually uh, i've done it a few different ways um last uh year i've just been Sometimes I'll just go with a buddy, but usually I just go so often by myself and pick up a, a local comic to open the show for me, Yeah, which I like doing. Um, and what do you do, an hour, hour and 15? Yeah, about that, just depending on... Uh, and on, you got a regular show you do, or you try to kind of keep a lot of room to fucking dick off, or what? Um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm writing new stuff. I'm, I, I definitely sort of go in and out of material uh, but I, I i do like to do a lot of improv with the crowd i uh i shot a special this year that's running on showtime now it's the first stand-up special i did and the first two years of touring i was sort of trying to write that and put that together and so i was thinking of it in a more structured way those first couple of years because yeah. i was sort of getting ready for the first special right and i wanted it to uh how to come out I, I I think it turned out great. I mean, I'm I'm happy with it. I've had some good response to it. So, it was uh, yeah, it was it was fun. I've had a lot of great response to it. I I enjoyed doing it. And Shot it at the Wilbur Theater in Boston. That's great. Had yeah. a great time, and the crowd was great, and and I was really happy with it. But uh, it was also a relief to be done that special because now I'm sort of. Uh, doing a lot more spontane- spontaneous stuff. I'm improvising more. I'm talking more just off the cuff about things that are kind of on my mind. And and uh, and then, you know, you know, I mean, I don't want to give a, give away all the roadmap to what I'm doing to the listeners when they sure. come. Because, I, I, you know, like you have you have bits that you just know are going to it's, Yeah, it's being a professional. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, you, you know I, I go into do. those yeah. and, and go out of those. But I don't really like people to know exactly that. Sure, if, the best thing yeah. they can know is not know which ones are which. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, they, and then they're like, you just made that all up. Yeah. Like, yeah, I did. And since yeah. the specials aired, I thought, okay, now they yeah. know all the bits. So was, I'm really kind of trying to- New hour. Think of new ideas and uh, talk about- things now, that I think are what drove relevant. you I mean what, what's uh what do you because your career has certainly you know had these these uh you know really different phases and you know you you sort of got close to the grail and you were living in it for a while and then you were in Siberia for a while yeah and you kind of you know made your own way so what what's the hope you just you just loving the stand-up or do you feel like you're driven by uh, desperation or, or pleasure or you know no I love I love the stand-up it's I uh, the, the favorite my favorite thing that I've ever really done. A big thing with me and the show was always about trying to do something that I'd never seen on TV before, really. Right, right. And the process was always complicated because you have a television network that wants it to look like television. Right. And I wanted it to look like something that shouldn't be on television. So there's a <laughs> automatic conflict there. And uh, and you're being creative and you're trying to be artistic about it. And, yeah. and then you're still having to deal with, uh, you, you know, and like, again, I, at that time I was in that phase where I really wanted to, to do that. Yeah. 
So uh, provoke people. Provoke people. Yeah. And uh, now with stand up, I still want to provoke people, but you don't have to run it past anybody. You don't have to, you know, write it and send it to some executive to change. And it. also, when you do it, if it's for one bit, if you do something that's like this is going to fucking provoke something, yeah. then you're still standing there, and then you got to see how well you can, you know, dig out of it or move yeah. through it. Yeah. Or, <laughs> Which is take, take it. Oh, it's very exciting. And an adrenaline rush and addictive. And yeah. I love it. And uh, and I, I also really have loved the feedback I'm getting from people because, you know, you know, the, the 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 fact of the matter is is I have people out there love the show and, and they're still out there and it's not like uh, it's not like things really went to shit for me. You right. know, I'm actually you know, I, I have this audience of people that loves the show and loves yeah. Freddie Got Fingered and loves yeah. Road Trip, loves yeah. the movies, and and they come out and they're really excited and it's a real positive thing. You know, it's it's a lot it's a lot nicer than uh, sort of being in a vacuum where you're not sure if anybody is really paying attention well, to my web show you, and you, stuff. Uh, so. You know that 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 you, it wasn't limited to MTV. It wasn't you know limited to age necessarily. You weren't some flash in the pan that people like your sensibility and they've grown up with you. Yeah. You're a guy that's continually sort of creating and, and growing your your thing. I don't think anybody ever got the sense that they know you. Yeah. They're just like, he's that fucking guy that's going to do that crazy shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I guess as long as you provide some of that, yeah. they're, they're not going to leave you. Yeah. No, it's been it's been real good. It's been real good. I I, I, I love doing stand-up and, uh, you know, I'm... I'm I, I'm. I just. Uh, I'm starting to take a lot of my old old material and put it up onto a YouTube channel on my website and things like that. So, uh, and you making money with that? Uh, I just launched this new YouTube channel. Uh, really, just a few weeks ago, actually. Yeah. Just and uh, and um, you know, it's so it's brand new. Uh, with the uh, with the Google money. Yeah, it's just it's it's just sort of a small following mm-hmm. on there now that's starting to percolate. But I the the web show when I was doing it, I had. You know, it was made a bit of money doing it, and That's it cost good. a lot of money to do it because of the, you know, the technology involved and stuff. We sold the show to Canadian Television and did some stuff like that that made it really kind of a cool thing, right? Um, but um, you know, I think what's it's definitely more about just kind of I enjoy getting all that content that I've done for what, fifteen years of videos. It's and you really own been, it. Yeah. That's great. Most of it I do. The, yeah. What, from the public assets? Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, all the stuff that aired on MTV, I'd shot, well, 75% of the stuff that was on MTV, we'd shot previously. On, oh, so you showed up Canada. with it. We showed up with it. Oh, and that's then, amazing. And just repackaged it. So, so you don't got any of that cease and desist shit. Where yeah. They're like like you the Slutmobile when I painted my parents' car, that was with the, from, from Canada. Right. Yeah. So um, and you had an agreement with MTV that you that was yours. Yeah, I just licensed it to them basically. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking genius. Yeah, yeah, it was sort of a different time, I guess. You but know? you knew enough to do that. Yeah, because they usually just sort of like, no, it's ours now. Yeah, it was like a different time because it was a very first time I think that people independently had video cameras and could go out and film a bunch of stuff on their own. Right. And so you know, I I came to them, I sent them. Ten, my 10 favorite videos. They said, yeah. do you have any more of this stuff? I said, oh, yeah, I actually have about 800 videos. And they said, send it all. We sent it all. And they literally flew me to New York a couple of weeks later. We were in the studio in Times Square just throwing to all of my old videos. And that's sort of why the show kind of came out of nowhere when it on MTV because I was taking my best stuff from seven years and putting it down into 10 episodes. Even so. if it had aired on the public access. Yeah, it, all, it had all aired, yeah. Oh, that's fucking yeah. awesome. So you were just curating your shit. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, it sounds like so. Ultimately, the 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 end game for you is to sort of build your own place on the internet that you have complete creative control over and and ride it out. Yeah, that's what I've, that's what I've been doing, and uh, I'm just sort of taking a little, uh, taking a different. Uh, took a little beat on the web show. I'm starting it up again in the new year. Going to start the web show up again. I don't know. I I I really still kind of feel like I'm just focusing on stand up. I also I, I just shot a I shot a couple of doing some fun stuff some I shot I was on that show workaholics oh, yeah, I shot fun. an episode yeah, yeah. of that yesterday yeah. I just shot uh, uh, some stuff I was just in, in the new trailer park boys movie that's coming out I oh shot, people love those guys yeah they're Canadian guys yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They have a new movie called Swearnet so I was up in Canada doing that so you're working keeping it going you know keeping right, it going man. well thanks fun. for stopping by buddy yeah thanks man You see that? There's a heart there. There's a guy in there. There's a real dude. That was nice, man. That was nice. He's an edgy cat. And uh, I'm glad we had that conversation, to be quite honest with you. Let me give you some stuff that he's doing. Uh, He's going to be at the Starlight Theater at the Riviera in Las Vegas with Steve-O. That's uh, this Thursday through Sunday, February 14th through 17th. Tom will also be at the MCM Hotel in Midland, Texas next week, February 22nd and 23rd. Uh, You can also get his podcast at TomGreen.com. I'm sorry about the buzz, but... go that's some guitar center noodling for you i hope you enjoyed that i'll turn that off now so that's the story uh look folks go to wtfpod.com get all your wtf pod needs met get the app upgrade to the premium app kick in a few shekels uh get some merch there's some new posters up there i will be bringing the posters i had made for the wilbur show to the next wilbur show i guess i'll scratch out the date and put the new date uh you can leave a comment Thanks again for all your wonderful feedback on the Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner episodes. I hope you're having a good time. I hope everybody in New England is shoveling out okay and everybody is okay. And uh, that's all. You know, I I love you guys and, uh, you know, I miss you. You know, when we're not talking. Boomy.